Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Sensitive Preaching to the Sexually Hurting. It's a book by Dr. Sam Serio. He joins us, and it's a great book because he hits us right between the eyes as Christians because there are a lot of topics that we don't want to delve into, let's be honest, and the brokenness of sexuality and sex. Well, he'll get to that. And uh, Dr. Serio... He is a Christian counselor, author, speaker, and teacher. He has also pastored several churches and is the founder of Ministry of Mending in Alpharetta, Georgia. He joins us. Welcome. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. When I say you hit us right between the eyes, I mean, it's like people don't want to face this subject of sexual brokenness. We like our church done a certain way and, uh, you know, not ruffling too many feathers. But yet, lo and behold, there are people who are in the audience in the pews and they're hurting and there are subject matters that you bring up that nobody seems to want to bring up and that's why your book is so popular and uh can i ask you um well gee it's a difficult question i suppose but how much pushback do you get when it comes to this because a lot of it takes a special type of counseling a special type of sensitivity to deal with the sexually broken well, and unfortunately, in many seminaries around the country and world, you know, these types of topics are still not adequately taught, you know, from the foundation. So that's sad because because people know that there's sexual brokenness and sexually hurting and addicted people in their church and in their community, but they've never been trained on how to bring this up from the pulpit or even how to privately help uh, people that they come to them and, and but my whole goal was to help them to preach better so people would want to come to them for counseling and unfortunately that's you know I've heard too many stories Michael where the people to whom I speak they tell me I would never go to my pastor mm. with this topic because the way they preach from the pulpit I the way they preach about abortion or same-sex attraction or pornography I would never go to them because they're just going to yell at me because that's all they do from the pulpit. Yeah, there's a lot of sensitivity. I know that every time I read the Bible, and Jesus seems to deal with us sinners so much nicer than the church, uh, unfortunately. You know, he's he's merciful. He's the kind of person that uh, that sinners feel comfortable with, and yet they won't be judged. And so a lot of that is what you kind of bring up to Christians. You challenge us. You also challenge pastors to have that type of sensitivity because there's so many issues that people go through. Now, someone like myself went to seminary, okay, and then had an interim pastorate just briefly, like about six months. But one thing I realized, there are a million things, as you mentioned in your book, that seminary does not prepare you for, like the broken things that people go through. You know, you mentioned just some of them, and I'm going to read here. Okay, so who's in your pews is chapter one. Another, are you and your church ready for this ministry? The birds and the bees in the Bible? It talks about abortion and pornography. So... In, I thought the, the, one of the most funny things you said in the book was, if you want to keep your job, you know, here's the kind of sensitivity you should have. Because if people don't like the way someone is preaching, then this is really going to bring it over the top when they talk about sex and they could be fired. And I'm sure that a lot of pastors are afraid to be fired. Yeah. Well, they're already on the edge and they're a little uncertain. And all it takes is a few people to, you know, criticize uh, your preaching, of which, you know, the church has many. And I went through that as well. So if you're already on the edge in terms of uncertainty, this is going to put it over the edge. <laughs> and, you know, you better, as you write your sermon, you better be writing your resume. So, 
the purpose of, of the book is also to come up with ways to gradually introduce your church that this is not about controversy. This is about ministry. And it, it's also not about topics. It's about emotions. It's not about the topic of, of abortion or sexless marriage or same-sex attraction or childhood sexual abuse. It's about the emotions that these people feel that God is able to heal. So, you know, he's close to the brokenhearted, and that happens to include people who've been brokenhearted because of sexual injustice done by them. And he sets the prisoner free, and he sets the people free from from sexual bondage and addiction like pornography and and same-sex attraction. So this should not surprise us. Yeah. This, this is not rocket rocket science. He, he talks about sex in the Bible all over the place. Well, you mentioned about it, though. You mentioned that seminaries, they don't prepare people for this. You know, people were in ministry, and that's kind of where I was going, where I got some counseling classes under my belt, if you will, you know, a little bit more than what they offer. And and still, you know, just cutting the surface is for really realizing the waters. And I, I was talking to my wife about, like, a, um, you know, a lifeguard, okay, that you have to be willing to go into those dark, deep waters that are uncomfortable and, and kind of bear the burden with another person. So there really should be special training that we learn about uh, sexual addiction, sexual abuse, um, unhappy marriages. So there's a lot of things. And you mentioned right in your book, right from the very beginning, and it does hit you between the eyes. I just want to let our audience know this is how you start, okay? Did you know that the teenage couple sitting in the front seat of your church on Sunday morning is having sex in the back seat of their car on Saturday night? Meanwhile, the middle-aged couple sitting behind them have not had sex in the last year and are having serious marital issues and already talking of divorce. So right away, and there's like a hundred other things that make you think, wow, are we, are we really addressing this? What's your comment on that? Well, we're not, unfortunately, and, and God does, so we should be. And the purpose is, is not to engage in, again, like any controversy, but there are people that hurt in your church, and, and they have secrets, and they don't tell you. And that shouldn't surprise us in the story of, of Amnon and Tamar and David and Absalom. You know, she was hurt and sexually taken advantage of by her half-brother, and the other brother wants to hide it. And so there's a lot of sexual dysfunction and secrecy hmm. that goes on in families. It's been happening since the beginning of time. And, you know, in the book of Genesis, there are lots of stories of sexual secrets and sadness and and rape and all sorts of things going on. Yeah, really. So, you know, God's not embarrassed to talk about any of the... He included this stuff. And, the, and I put in the book that, you know... These stories were, they were read out loud, you know, before we had printers and books. These stories of, of sexual dysfunction and secret and sadness and misery and feeling desolate, they're all, they were all read to the children. You know, there was no um, children's church going on <laughs> back in the old and New mm-hmm. Testament days. So, you know, it's, it's just a matter of seeing that, that this is not a big deal. God made us male and female, and this is not a big topic to talk about and all because you have some people that get their feathers ruffled you know god has given us a green light a yellow light but he didn't give us a red light he said it's okay to talk about these things but but do it with wisdom and do it with warmth and your purpose is to soothe people's souls Mm. and bring people closer to the savior so it's never about the topic it's always about the emotion and bringing people to a closer walk with the lord by having him heal their, their feeling of self-pity, of, of self-guilt, of, of bondage, of addiction, that, that he, he, 
he, he's not he's able to do anything above and beyond all we could ever ask or imagine so that's the purpose of the show that God really is big he really can handle this sexual stuff he really is not surprised by anything you've done and he really understands the, the terrible betrayal and injustice has happened to you because it happened to his son and people are surprised or Christians are surprised they, they're not equipped I, I would have to say to have a conversation with someone who's sexually broken or someone who has addiction issues neither are a lot of pastors and like I say you know we like to play church or do church a certain way but there's so many dark murky waters that there needs to be training you mentioned in the book that um, when it comes to the church that uh, there's rebellion whenever a pastor tries to talk about sex but yet the schools there's relief as we turn to the yeah. schools for for relief now i have to mention here you also say church is the very best place to conceal your sin and have people think that you're doing great and living right you go on to say everyone assumes you are a good christian since you're there and thus few rarely ask about your soul or your sins they assume that you're saved because you're sitting right next to them so we tend to kind of you know and so um as far as people buying your book we want it to be a safe place where, you know, that's the place where we can go to to avoid all this stuff. You know, don't remind me of what's in the news because church seems to be a safe mm. place. And, and we need to realize the only safe place is in heaven. That, that I sure, I hope there are people who, uh, who have had sexual sadness done to them that are sitting in there hearing the gospel. Mm. Yes, probably, probably. You know, a good number of ladies in your congregation have had an abortion. And yes, a, probably a fair number of men have been participating. Yes, there are men who are watching porn. And yes, there are wives who suffer as a result of that. I could go on and on and on about <laughs> there's these people, just they just suffer in silence. And, and we have the gospel that can heal these people, this side of eternity, much better than anybody else. But... It's just sad that we're the last people people go to for sexual stuff. We should be the first people. Yeah. We should be the experts. We should be the least condemning. Nothing should surprise us. And it's just the opposite sometimes, you know, that we, you mentioned that if someone has a, a pregnancy, a young lady, and uh, we tend to say, oh, discipline, you shall be disciplined right. instead of. Right loved and so let's talk a little bit about pornography it's a big issue and also in the seminaries where they say that i don't know what the the stats are maybe 85 percent is it that high that uh, some of the students the male students have problems with addiction to pornography try getting through seminary with that type of issue and then getting into ministry uh not being afraid to talk about that how how prevalent is that in your counseling well power and purity always go hand in hand and many times I find people who are unwilling or not easy talking about this topic or sexual topics because they do have a private secret life that is, is, will affect them. And they don't want to talk about, they can't preach with power or counsel with power because deep down inside they're looking at things or viewing things or having secret passwords in which pornography or sexually explicit images are there so unfortunately you know and we shouldn't be surprised at that you know we, we should be the least surprised the Bible talks about the eyes being a source of temptation all the time everywhere so if there's anybody who should be the least surprised and the and and, and the most understanding of pornography it should be the the person who knows God's word because God says hey 
this is going to be a temptation for you your whole life long. So I'm not, God's not surprised by it. He warns us about it. So we should be the most approachable in terms of, of course, you're tempted by your eyes. That's no surprise to us. We know the Bible. How difficult is this subject, though, when it comes to the church? I mean, you've obviously, again, your book is called Sensitive Preaching to the Sexually Hurting. So percentage-wise, how many people do you think are sexually hurting out there? I say that 60 to 70% of your congregation that's 18 and above have been affected by either one of uh, any of these seven topics. Casual sex, Hmm. abortion, pornography, sexless marriage. That's something that pastors don't talk about, but that's included in my book. It is. Sexual assault and rape, same-sex attraction, childhood sexual abuse. When I look at the numbers of how Hmm. many people could be affected by any of those seven, including male and female, and that includes grandparents who have kids that have disclosed that they're gay, that have experienced things in their childhood they never told anybody about. Again, when you add all seven of those up, I estimate that probably at least 60% of the people who are 18 or above in your church Mm. can be helped by you by you bringing up one of these topics that either they are in a relationship or marriage or their past or their present or their family, that they are there. And these topics, please don't think that they're not in your church or community. They just don't tell you about it. And many times they don't tell you about it. It's because you preach so so uh, negatively or you don't say anything about it. So it's your own fault that they don't come to you because you don't preach in such a way mm. that is warm and wise, competent and compassionate. So I, I, I just want pastors and church leaders and ministry and church staff to see that there's a whole lot of people that are secretly and silently suffering and you have the answer for them and it's time that we we bring these people closer to the Lord Jesus Mm -hmm. by showing that he can heal the brokenhearted and he's the best expert when it comes to fixing hurt and breaking people free from habit. So true. Dr. Syria, what happens to us? You know, when our, we cry out to God, we cry out to Jesus that he would save us, and then we, we get on the pulpits, if you will, our own, and we condemn other people. And what happens? <laughs> First, you know, you get to know the Lord Jesus, and you experience mercy and grace like never before, and then we lose sight of that. And all of a sudden, we get hooked on the theology part and forget the love part. That, uh, that's just as important. I, I mean, myself included that I've forgotten many times where I've come from. And, yeah, so, you know, these pastors, if if it was a place, like the way the prostitutes and the sinners, they were all sinners, the, the drunkards, the publicans, they knew that uh, they were around Jesus who's holy, but that he wouldn't judge them, at least not the way we do. Well, and Jesus talked more about money than he did about sex. I mean, come on now. We're going to making a list of <laughs> sins. You know, I mean, sexuality he doesn't address as much so i just want us to have truth and grace and many of us are really big on truth but very little on grace Mm. or there are some denominations and pastors who are really big on grace and they don't talk about these issues as being sin and against god's will so they're really big on grace and they have no truth and the purpose of the book is to get you to have truth and grace both mixed in within the same message so that you can speak truth and you can speak grace in the same sentences in the same message 
and you're doing what Jesus would do. Mm. I mean, should there be training? How I know your book is it just kind of it gets in there certainly, but how likely are pastors to go ahead and and change things up a little bit? I mean, what would you recommend to them to to be more sensitive or to get into depth in some of these topics? Because I imagine that it requires some training. Well, I would have them read my book first because it does get into the emotions and the reasons and the results, the causes and consequences of all seven of those topics. So people do need to understand how ladies feel as a result of being sexually mistreated and, mm. and, and hurt when they were younger. But they also need to understand why people do these things. Because so many times the person will internalize and feel self-guilt that they somehow caused this rape or they somehow are the reason that these things happen to them because Satan is a liar and he loves yes. playing with our head. So he wants you to feel horribly guilty and he wants to steal your dignity and your sanity. So the book gives the reasons and the results, the causes and consequences of all seven brothers topics. And I think that's important. Yeah, you mentioned that the contemporary church needs to budget more funds to effectively minister to the sexually troubled people in their community. So are you saying less puppet shows? And you kind of mentioned about that, that the kids are, <laughs> they say, hey, bowling is good, uh, having fun is is good, but it's not going to help Junior when he's hooked on pornography and on YouTube or, or I don't know where, you know, on, the, on the, I, well, I do know where, on the Internet, and uh, they need more of that. They need uh, the real the real world. So I guess we have to be a lot more real, don't we? Well, it's just real like the Bible is. Again, you know, again, the Bible becomes the source and all these stories and all these habits and all these hurts, you know, there are all these stories in the Bible. So it's already there. But yeah, we, we, we have to just, for example, the youth group, we can do the social activities and fun and I get that. But, but you need to be trained to know how to talk to the girl who feels she's going to be sterile for the rest of her life mm. because of a botched abortion. Wow. Or the boy who watches way too much porn. <laughs> or the boy who was sexually fondled when he's or is being fondled mm. by by even possibly a Sunday school teacher. So I'm sorry, but you know, this is the real world and you see it on the you see it every day. Yeah. Why should we think that the church is has been immunized or, or kept protected from that. No, these things happen in the church as well. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Oh, for and sure. So, so that's all. It's just I want people to just open their eyes to see not only the harvest, but also the wreckage. Yeah, I mean, pastors would appreciate this as part of the wreckage, that one of your ushers wasn't there Sunday morning because... He stayed up too late on Saturday night clicking on those porn sites that he just can't get enough of. Your choir director missed the past Mother's Day service because she didn't want to be reminded about the abortion that she had. I mean, so much baggage, so much hurt that you mentioned. These are real things. And, uh, I mean, my goodness. We, also, there's the, the person who, once again, if you talk about homosexuality, okay, where you can be ostracized if you bring that up in the church sometimes. But you mentioned... As far as addressing that same-sex attraction, that people should not label themselves homosexual, even if they feel that they are, and call themselves heterosexuals. Is that correct? Well, the way a person thinks, like Philippians talks about, you know, think on things that are lovely and true and honorable and just and pure. So the, in Proverbs, the way you think is the way you act. So I, I'm simply saying that 
that a person has to line up themselves. A person would not say, well, I am a drunkard for the rest of my life. Mm. That's the way I was born and that's the way I was made. And and so the the point of the chapter on same-sex attraction, and that's one of the longer chapters, and I've gotten a lot of grief from people in the past for having a, a balanced perspective because they they either want to do truth or grace but not both so even with the the same sex attraction you know that sin is mentioned alongside of other sins that are non-sexual like a swindler or a, a greedy person so what i'm saying is that a person can change and and god transforms any and every sin whether it be sexual or non-sexual and it's important that a person you know realize the transforming power that that, that i'm a new person in christ so yes, I would suggest that a person may have that, or they may have those temptations, but at the same time, you know, they have to think the right thoughts about what God says about them and the way God wants them to live. And when you think the right way, you're going to act accordingly. Mm-hmm. You can't wait for the feelings to come. You got to do the right thing sometimes, and then you feel the right way. So we sometimes have it mixed up, unfortunately. So it's I, true. We could go into that for a long time, but, <laughs> but there's a Why not? an entire chapter on same-sex attraction, in which you know I want people to see that that <clears throat> you don't have special dispensation to sin in this way, and say that you're born this way, mm. because we can't say that an adulterer can't say that a pedophile can't say that I was born with attraction to children or I was born with uh, I was made this way and to, to have an attraction to someone else that that sooner or later it's real important that, that we have that truth and grace and, and I counsel a lot of same-sex attracted men and women mm, wow. and you know there's a it's a more complex process but at the same time you know it's real important that a person think and believe what God said more than even what their feelings say. That's real important. Well, that's true. I mean, you live in a world where people say if it feels good, do it and that type of thing. And you you follow your own desires. That's the way of the world. But then some of the uh, people who have same sex attraction, they are will look maybe for a liberal church that says that's okay. And Yes. You know, and and but uh, it's di- difficult subject for sure. But I like the way that you challenge the church. I like the way that you challenge the seminaries. You mentioned that uh, for Christian colleges, universities, seminaries to better prepare church leaders once again to minister to the millions who are part of a sexually scarred generation. They must offer intensive training that you go on to say specific areas of sexual sins and wounds. And so that's going to take a lot of time. Maybe more counseling classes. Less theology? Also, yeah, well, theology theology and therapy have to be combined. Good theology hmm. and good therapy. So my point is that I really do believe in the sufficiency of God's Word. Yes. And, and that God's Word is going to be a whole lot more helpful to people than your words. And and sometimes we tend to think that, you know, the way I word it, but I really do believe that God's Word has power that our human words don't have. So... You know, I'm really big in the book on identifying the emotions of, of of these sexual hurts and habits. For example, if a person feels guilty or feels false guilt about something for which they shouldn't feel guilty, you know, God is the best answer to false guilt. If a person feels wounded and feel dirty and feel ugly because of what's been done to them, God is the best answer to showing that what I've done for you in the cross of Christ 
is so much more powerful and liberating than what's been done to you. Mm. So all these emotions of self-pity, of, of feeling dirty and feeling guilty and, and not being able to trust people and not and being scared of life and being uncertain of yourself. You know, I just see God's word as the healing that for God has given us a spirit of power and love and strength, not being tim- timid. So all that evil one wants to take away from you in terms of your emotions, especially the feeling of, of feeling dirty and feeling mm-hmm. yucky because of what's been done to you. The best solution is knowing who lives inside of me. So what I'm saying is that I can give a person a pep talk all day long about how they shouldn't feel dirty or guilty, but it's so much better if they memorize God's word about how the spirit of God lives within me and that he has my body and that he allowed these things to happen. So good theology is so important to healing a sexually wounded and sexually addicted generation. God's word has the answers. So my question is, will we be able to know those answers and then share them? Because we are the best experts on sexually wounded or sexually scarred or tempted people. Well, you see right there, that uh, spiritual hospital that, you know, we don't realize just how dirty we all are. I mean, that there are people that you're talking with that uh, this person hasn't, uh, you mentioned, had sex with his wife for a very long time, or the reverse, uh, that someone has just watched pornography. Like, we, we don't realize that it's just a thought away. It's just it's just an action away. If we really peeled back the layers that we're really broken people, and um, I think it's kind of sad in a way, you know, that not that we're broken, but that we don't want to talk about all these things, because... I mean, that little bit of time where it's just that little bit of heaven where people turn around and they shake the person's hand in the pews and <laughs> say, everything's fine. I got my church face on. You'll get my handshake for 30 seconds. But if we stop and we say, wow, I'm broken inside. Let me tell you how. Are you too? Let's talk about that. And yeah, I think that it would be a spiritual hospital. More people would come. Uh, to church and talk about these things. So maybe the pastors don't. Do they realize how dirty we are? Well, they, they just don't see the scope of, of how they can truly bring such healing in their messages. For example, I wrote an article in Christianity Today and Preaching Magazine a few years back urging pastors and preachers that when you preach about Father's Day and when you go on to tell people and everybody there to honor and cherish and respect and obey and, you know, it's a good touchy-feely day about fathers, you better remember that there are people in the pew hmm. who have had fathers who have done things to them that ought not to have been done, and they will miss, they will not come to church on Father's Day because it's a day for them, it's the worst day of the year for them. It's the worst it's day of the year for them because they just go to, loaded with guilt. And all I'm saying is that pastor, preacher, church, just remember as you present this Father's Day or Mother's Day, remember that there are people who, who hurt very badly on Father's Day because they don't want to be reminded to honor and obey the father or stepfather that had molested them for 10 years and and, and has never apologized. So don't tell me to honor and forgive and and be touchy-feely on Father's Day when this is the worst day of the year for me. So I, I try to help pastors to see the, the wreckage, mm-hmm. you know, to see that, that there are people in your pews who live in a different world than you do, and, and people who will miss coming to church on Mother's Day, they don't want to be reminded about the baby that they don't have, <laughs> about the mother that they, they, they should be or could be, and equally men as well. Yeah, we don't men think this way, do we? We, this. 
We don't so think this way. No, they don't want to church, come to church on Mother's Day mm. or Father's Day because we're not aware that, again, when you bring up any of these topics <laughs> or days or events, just be mindful that there are people who are listening to you. All you have to do when you're talking about Father's Day is to insert a phrase, something like this. I know True. some of you today, I know that some of you, to change your voice, to change your pause, to soften your voice, maybe walk away from the pulpit, maybe walk towards the people, hold your hands out, and simply say something like this on Father's Day. I know that today is a very rough day for some of you. I know that some of you have had fathers or stepfathers in which you have a hard time, especially today. In fact, you didn't even really want to come here today. I get that, that some fathers have been maybe unaffectionate, and then some fathers have been too affectionate, and that you've suffered things that you've never told anybody about. I know that today's a tough day for you on Father's Day, and I weep with you, and I want you to know I get that. Yeah, I mean, it's that's nice to hear that. To that's all you need to say. That's mm. all you need to say. And then people in, in their heart of hearts would be saying, oh, my goodness, they get it. I could talk to them about this. Mm -hmm. They get it. Well, maybe, you know, maybe instead of the ushers in front, uh, I kid, maybe they should just be counselors up front and say, hey, you know, instead of you want to talk to me about Jesus at the end of the service, and, and that's great and everything, but maybe there should be more Christian counselors that are in the front and say, hey, if you want to talk to any one of these Christian counselors, we're here for you. And, and maybe people will, you know, not see church formation so much, but uh, an ear that can really address some of these things. I mean, what if people say, hey, you know, there's a room over there. Then people can talk about sexual addiction if you want. We just want you to know if you're suffering from a loveless marriage, you can go into that door. There'll be counselors there. I mean, I, I have a feeling that would draw more people. Well, people and people tell other people, hey, the pastor or that church, they actually have brought up, you know, they they're not, you know, they, they do the truth and grace thing. They do it at the same time. So they get it. And, and that's a place where you are not where they talk about topics that other the world's talking about it why can't we talk about it we've got the answers uh, in the book i talk about the church knows the problem but not the solution but the i'm sorry excuse me the world knows the problem but not the solution mm. the church knows the solution but not the problem interesting and think about it so like hopefully, that hopefully no longer and that's the reason why i wrote the book was to equip ministry leaders and church staff and the average Christian so that if your friend comes to you and talks about and finally confides in you that they were raped or that they were uh, mistreated as a child or that their husband does watch porn or that their wife doesn't want to have sex wow. that they would see in you the wisdom and warmth to actually and, and the book tells you what to say to them and uses scripture in terms of how to bring up the scriptures as a way of of ministering to this person with truth and grace. So mm -hmm. it's a book meant to equip, you know, not just church leaders, but also church members. Someone might say, you know, my, my boy is watching uh, porn on, on the Internet. My wife, she won't have sex with me for at least another year, really. Okay, well, here's our potluck over here if you want to sit down and right. join us. You right. know? Have, <laughs> Where do we find time to talk about all that? <laughs> Old Testament survey and, and Calvinism 101. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, it's not funny, but, you know. I know, we, we're having fun. Yeah. But, it, you know, and that's why there's an entire chapter in the book on the birds and the bees and the Bible. Mm. So from Genesis to Revelation, you have these stories. So so God 
he gives you a, in Song of Solomon, we won't even go there, about how God describes the human body and, and sexual expression within. Oh, you went there in your book. I, and, <laughs> I, I did. I mean, it was a good chapter. I mean, it talks about that, uh, that the Lord is very interested in our, in our desire. He created uh, husbands and wives in a certain way to desire one another, and it's, and it's healthy, and it's just the only thing I think of is that it just will require a lot of work on the church's part. I, I don't think something like that is easy. Uh, once again, the book, though, is called Sensitive Preaching to the Sexually Hurting. Dr. Sam Serio, he joins us. He's a Christian counselor. And uh, you were saying, sir. Well, and also w- when people talk about casual sex and, you know, the famous line of pastors, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But if you're going to do that, please, within the same sentence, talk about sexual expression within marriage. You know, I mean, we we only bring up one topic, but not the other. So God is simply saying, wait. And when you get married, my goodness gracious, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Have fun, so, folks. We only talk about the negative approach, and we don't talk about the positive mm-hmm. you know, expressions. And, and that's why people think that we're the last people in the world to go to. I'm not mm. going to go to my pastor. They're just going to yell at me. I heard them. I heard them already from the pulpit. I'm not going to them. Mm. My goodness, they're the last. And I have so many people who tell me that they would be embarrassed or they just don't think their pastor would have the competence or the compassion to be able to handle. and Or they tell them the wrong thing. They, they tell them, you ought to get over it by now. Wow. Or, or, or you should forgive this person. I can tell you, do we have time for one true story? Go ahead. Of course. Uh, in my chapter on sexual assault and rape, I, I share a true story of a lady who, out of kindness, opened her door one morning to let a gentleman who pretended to have car troubles in to use a phone mm. or use her cell phone. And she she's a good Christian. That's why she did it. That's what Christians do. That's right. So he didn't want to use the phone. He wanted to use her. And he raped her oh my on her kitchen floor. Mm. And he left in the same car that supposedly was having trouble. She didn't know who to call. She was mortified and after she took the shower which people will do to cleanse the Mm -hmm. feeling of dirt and guilt and filth off of them she thought well i'm not gonna tell my kids and get them worried i'm not gonna tell my husband because he's gonna want to come home and probably kill and and call the and and just he's just gonna lose it so she finally decided to call her pastor so she went to go up and see her pastor so the pastor not trained. <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of them not, not trained. And, and we do the same thing. Started asking her questions like, well, why did you let him into the house? Why didn't you scream? What were you wearing? Oh, my goodness. Just, you know, just typical questions, which we usually ask a sexual assault victim. You know, we, we interrogate the victim instead of feeling sympathy for the victim. And we ask the wrong question. So he was doing that as well. Many of us do. We, we just he didn't know and he just was was beginning to kind of question and ask her why this and why that and finally at the end of her um uh, at the end of her sermon that she began to get she said to the pastor i just hate him Hmm. i just hate with this man for what he's done to me i will never forgive and oh my goodness that meant that the pastor was going to talk about one of his favorite topics in the (laughs) whole universe forgiveness Forgiveness. there i knew it you need to forgive this person. Oh, my goodness. You should not feel forgiveness and hatred in your heart. And he went on for 15 minutes giving a sermon about how you shouldn't ha- harbor any bitterness in your heart. Hmm. This poor lady 
walked away, raped again. Oh my goodness, it's true though. Why? Because we just say the wrong things. You know, we we, we end up, we mean well, but we just sometimes don't say the right things. And especially this topic of forgiveness, I deal with this in the last chapter. We have to do a better job on certain topics in the church, like forgiveness, like submission. We need to teach the right thing. We, We need to teach a much better thing, but forgiveness and anger... So whenever you talk about anger, all you have to do is mention it in your message that I know that some of you are probably very angry now at something that's been done to you that shouldn't have been done to you in the past. Well, I'm, it's coming clear right now what you're talking about. Really, what I think is that pastors need more counseling classes. I mean, that's really what they, they need do. to do because, yeah, they, they, they can't need to know how you know what the right thing to do. And, and the, the, you're exactly right. Yeah. They just need to be able to be trained. And, and my book was purpose. I hope many books are written that, that spawn off from my book. But I wanted to use this. I want seminaries to use this book mm-hmm. in their counseling and preaching, homiletics and Christian pastoral ministry courses. Because pastors need to be sexual assault, rape counselors. They need to be childhood sexual abuse. They need – we have the best – solutions in the world for people who feel horrible and guilty and dirty mm-hmm. we have the answers so why should they be seeing a worldly counselor and but dr sirio dr sirio is it all the pastor's responsibility i think jethro had a point there you know <laughs> with moses he couldn't do it all and i i think that the pastor had i don't know where we got that i'm sure in church history where the pastor has to do everything i mean you think about superman you know has to know theology and and hebrew and greek and deal with rape victims i don't think that the lord intended one person to have all those gifts and so you know are we are they taking too much upon themselves should we have more christian counselors on board to help them I and mean, wouldn't that help completely so in, in the book in the very last chapter i tell people who they may be studying for the ministry but you really ought to second guess yourself and think about being a christian counselor honestly and, and if you want to have a staff member I like the title of Minister of Hurts and Habits. Not sexual. I don't want to use the word sexual in, in the title. But Minister of Hurts and Habits. Because that includes sexual hurts and habits, but other addictions and other wounds. And I wish there were a Christian counselor. I wish the, the church would go to Christian counselors locally, individually, and then parachurch organizations to say, let me send you people. Please, I want to give you people. So we need to work alongside of Christian counsel. It's a wonderful profession. And some people who are preaching now, they ought to stop because they're not doing a very good job of it. They should be Christian counselors instead. Well, I agree with that. You can't do, you know, and I think it takes a little humility, too, for a pastor to say, hey, this is not my thing, okay? Uh, either I need some training or I'm going to find someone on board here on the staff that can handle that. And sometimes they don't want to, you know, they liked having uh, the paycheck come in. I'm just being honest. And uh, being kind of revered, you said the pulpit is not for adoration, but it's for to be able to talk about, you know, to wounded, hurting people. And does this also cross over to to music, too? Because far often, and you mentioned this, okay, first of all, you say that, you know, the church should not be just a happy place. And sometimes, yeah, boy, people really get church going with the lights and the camera and the action and, and, and free coffee and all that. It's a happy place, but it doesn't have to be just a happy place. Maybe a beat is good that you mentioned, but are we prepared to be that reflective place or that place where we can remove the mask? Because if, if it's such a happy place, people are afraid to go ahead and do that. Okay, 
so now we talk about the music in the church, okay? So sometimes you find these real lyrics with Christian rap where they're willing to address real issues of, of drug, uh, substance abuse, rape. You mentioned, um, do or does church music address some of the topics you're talking about? Well, it, it'll be melancholy, and it'll talk about sadness and hurt and giving your pain to God and, you know, all those wonderful songs. But I just wanted to be more specific about some of the emotions that have been caused by some of these sexual hurts and habits. And, and again, for the pastor to verbalize these things. So, you know, the, you're exactly right. Unfortunately, you know, people think that Jesus is the great cheerleader. He, he's not. He's the great physician. Mm. You know, he, you know, and pastors, you know, everything has to be upbeat, upbeat, upbeat. No, it doesn't have to be upbeat. It should be along with the text of the sermon and the message. And, and some, there should be wailing and crying sometimes. That sometimes, not, not out of necessary guilt for the people who have done these things, but, but people cry over their, the, the hurt that they feel. And we always think we have to end church on an upbeat fashion in a, a cheerleader, a coach, entertainment. And, and that's okay, but, but God's not always doing that in the Bible. Sometimes, like James says, there needs to be weeping and wailing. So I want the church service sometimes to end on a holy hush, a silence, where people are just mortified at what they've done to people. That there are men who are hurting their wives by looking at the porn. There are men who have molested girls and that they need, and they're sitting there. And they're doing things that they should not have. And I want church to be a place of confession, not only of your sin, but also of your pain. It's true. Confession of your sin and of your pain. And church can't always be the super happy, smiley face, you know, pat yourself on the back. Play. Yeah, at times, God's a God of joy and hope and comfort. But he's also, he's a God of the brokenhearted. So church has to sometimes, we've got to change our view of yeah. church, too, and music. And the Sunday school lessons, where it's got to include, again, the topics that God talks about in the Bible, which happens to be sexual hurt and habit. And God have mercy on us. God have mercy on us. If we just create a church that is to make people happy or to have the oatmeal cookies out there, which is, you know, I'm okay with that, but uh, with the uh, the coffee and that's it. You know, let's keep this well-oiled machine going here because the people come back. And, you know, as well as, you know, well, as far as you being a Christian counselor, there are many counselors that uh, they want you to come back. Right. So if right. they come back, I don't want to get too deep into certain issues. I mean, do you see that spilling over into counseling as well? Because just like the pastor wants the people to come back, the, the counselor wants people to come back, too. Well, and that's understandable. And there are some people who who need to come back frequently because what's been done to them, my goodness, I, I, I can't tell you how many stories of people that have held things in for 10, 20, 30 years or something that was done to them a long time ago that, that now they don't want to get married because they're scared to death. I can't tell you how many stories of, of people that have engaged in the homosexual lifestyle because when they were young, they were never hugged by their mom or dad. Mm. I, I think of a gentleman that I spoke with. He was a, a, a ministry to, to same-sex attraction people. And I asked him his story. And he said, you know, when I was young, that my mom and dad, and he wasn't making up excuses. He wasn't. Because I'm into that. I know when people are doing mm -hmm. that. So he said, when my mom and dad, they were from a, a overly religious home, and they just weren't affectionate. They never gave me a hug my mom or dad, I just remember a lot of rules, but not a lot of re relationship. 
and we were always going to church and we were always doing the right thing and things were very, you know, regimented and routine. But he said, so when I went to a family reunion at the, you know, we were like six or seven and my uncle hugged me, it was amazing. It was like the first time in my life I felt hugged. <laughs> and he, the, the, the gentleman said, it felt so good to be hugged by somebody. So un- there's another man up. that hugged him. And he grew up, unfortunately, the uncle had motivations that were not pure. Mm. And it turned out that he, he did get, you know. He hugged him too close. But the young man, he grew up wanting that same feeling of pleasure. All he knew was pleasure comes from the hug of a man. Mm-hmm. That's all he remembered. So he kept on. So he engaged in the homosexual lifestyle. We have such a bad rap in thinking that they're always militant and they're always going to be molesting people and no this young man wanted the hug of another man and he equated physical pleasure which we all want with the hug of another man it's amazing i mean how satan gets all these footholds in our life like he'll use anything you know to get a foothold something that was good and i know a, a lady who you know was gang raped on her high school field party graduation and she said I will never be with a man. I'm never going to let a man do that to me again. Or I know another lady who would watch her dad beat up her mom and said, I will never let a man do that to me. And she's chosen the lesbian lifestyle. There are just so many stories of people who engage in behaviors and hurts. They're looking for love in all the wrong places or they're reacting you know, to previous past hurt like we all do wrongly, but they react in sexual ways. And so we just need to know the stories. Yeah, there you go. Listening and getting to know the story. that You just said right there. That's why in the first chapter I talk about some of these stories that you wouldn't think that, you know, you just wouldn't think that. It blows your mind. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, it, it blew my mind. All the, it goes on, and I'm, I'm glad you put all the examples in. And you're, you're very sensitive, obviously, to the hurts uh, that are out there. I'm glad you put all that in there. I have to ask, though, um, you know, I know... Even though people could be trained as a counselor, though, is it better if a person has experienced abuse? And I have to be, you know, forthright or, or just kind of ask you, is that something? Have you experienced sexual abuse? No. I, my story is that I used to be, well, I, in seminary days, I was told by a seminary professor, and you'll appreciate this, having gone to seminary, mm-hmm. one of my professors said, I want each of you to become an expert in one topic in society and in one book of the Bible. <laughs> and I thought, that's a good piece of advice. So I was a young seminary student, and I chose the book of Ephesians to be my topic of expertise, my book that I would know better. And I chose the topic of abortion to be the topic in society which I would be an expert. So Ephesians and abortion. So I became a pro-life speaker, and I was great at making people feel guilty. My goodness, I had a seminary degree, guilt and God. I, I could make people feel really guilty about it. <laughs> have a radio show. Oh, yeah. The Guilt and God Show. <laughs> it worked. And, and I, was a, I was a pro-life speaker, and I would give all these messages, Michael, about, about abortion. And they were one-sided. They were truth, but no grace. So as I would give these messages that were very good on gory and guilt and don't do it, and here's what gets done to the baby, ladies would come up to me afterwards, and they would say, I've already done this. 
I feel so guilty. Is there any hope for me? <laughs> Is there any hope for me that I could ever get past these nightmares? And where, when I turn on the garbage disposal in the in the kitchen, I'm reminded about the abortion. When I see the kitchen knives, I'm reminded. Of, Is there any hope for me? Can I ever be healed of this mistake that I made? And you know what, Michael? I didn't know what to say to them. I just knew how to make them feel guilty, but I didn't have any grace. Mm. And I went back to the drawing board and I said, I need to improve my messaging to have a biblical balance of truth and grace. And I improved my messages about abortion to now include, I know that some of you have done this and I know how you feel. And as I improved the message about abortion, so is truth and grace. Yes. Other ladies would then come up to me in, in, in the following years, sharing stories of being raped sharing stories of pornography and being molested. And I was cast and thrown into a world that I wasn't ready for. Mm -hmm. I was ready. At least for you're honest story. about it. So, so that's the, um, that's my story. That's how I got involved. Where mm -hmm. The initial topic of abortion, um, was enlarged to include seven different topics that are sexual hurts or habits. And it's interesting because I, I originally dealt with six topics. But there's one topic I included in the last few years that I didn't include in my original training and, and counseling, and that's that of sexless marriage. I didn't, I've only included that in the last three or four years, where now I have so many Christian couples. That's a big one. That's a hotbed issue right there. You have no idea mm -hmm. how big it is. That's a silent, it's not just pornography, but it's a silent killer. There are ladies who waited their whole life to wait, mm. and they did. And now they have a husband who stays up late at night watching porn or who's not interested, and she cries herself to sleep. And she says, Lord, Lord, you told me to wait for this? Wow. This is what I get? Real talk. So, <laughs> so, so real. That's the, these are all, everything I've mentioned in the last, <laughs> in all of our talk has been a true story. Yeah, I, I mean, but what if the de you know the person's a deacon in the church? I mean, God forbid, but it's true. And the things that you mentioned, I mean, it hits so close to home. It hits everybody. Like, no one's immune from it. I, I think that, the, once again, you know, the church formation where people need to stop. You know, it reminds me the, the days in radio where people would, would talk and say, coming up next, Michael W. Yeah. Smith, uh, you know. <laughs> and then uh, the, say, do you talk to people like that in real life? Right. And I've been exactly. guilty of that as far as that. But, I mean, it's the same thing with the church. I mean, do we really talk to others the way that we do church sometimes? Instead of slow down, let's be real with one another. There are too many hurts and pains. And just so people know that Dr. Sam Serio in his book, Sensitive Preaching to the Sexually Hurting, uh, this won an award by the Gospel Coalition. Wasn't it in 2016 uh, with uh, Dr. Timothy Keller? It, uh, he's the head of that. Uh, I believe your book got an award. I was so honored to be awarded the best ministry book of the year. Amen. That, with the comment that every pastor should add this book to their library. Mm -hmm. So I was just so honored that, because that, I was nobody. I mean, in terms of I, I don't have, this is my first book. But again, it's been in the making for 35 years. I will say that. <laughs> but I, I, I was so honored that to receive the, the award of the best ministry book of the year, that if you're doing ministry as a counselor, as a church staff member, as a church member, as a church leader, and if you want to know how to do ministry to people who hurt, this is the best book of the year. So I was very honored. Mm -hmm. I'm writing another book now. I'm writing another book 
Um, actually, it's going to be a gutsy book where I'm going to be um, in the tone of a pastoral and personal letter from God to sexually wounded people, wow. where it's going to be a letter, it's not going to be third person, it's going to be first person, and I've taken like the 12 top emotions of how sexually wounded and hurt people feel, and there's going to be a chapter, it's going to be a devotional where there's going to be 30, but it's going to be a letter from God where I feel like I know the scriptures well enough to be able to, where I'm going to be talking as if I were God talking to these ladies and men saying, I know how you hurt, I know you feel guilty, I know you feel dirty, I know you have a hard time trusting, I know you need justice, you need to know that I understand, you need to know that I'm going to set you free. I'm going to actually, the book is going to be written in the first person as a letter. From Interesting. Well, I'm a little scared. I think I'm going to get crucified by people by thinking that it's somewhat blasphemous. And yeah, who are you to be and speak on behalf of God like that? But people do it. I mean, they have so many devotional books. I mean, and a lot of these famous people who we know on Christian television, they kind of take that mantle sometimes. Well, and, and mine is not revelation at all. You know, I'm, you know, I know my theology. No, no revelation, but just illumination of what God already says. So. You know, God is close to the brokenhearted. He sets people free. He mends our wounds. And that's the purpose of the next book. Is It's not for church leaders. It's for people. I want it to be on the bookstores of Walmart and Target. I want it to be a book of healing. Amen. Where a person picks it up and says, oh my goodness, God's talking to me about my sexual hurt. I thought that God would be the last person I'd ever listen to. He's the one who called me. Isn't that amazing? That. That, I mean, it is amazing that people will pray for all kinds of things by, and, and expect God to show up, except in those areas of hurting that uh, we're, we're running from God. You know, God talks to Adam, where are you? You know, come to me. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll shed my grace and mercy. And so, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to run. Now, uh, I want to ask you, Dr. Uh, Sam Serio, <laughs> I want to ask you, how can people get your book? Where would they go? I, I was published by Kriegel, K-R-E-G-E-L, Kriegel Publishers in Michigan. So it's on the Kriegel website, and it's also on Amazon, again, typing in my name. But also, most importantly, it's, it's on my website of HealingSexualHurt.com. It's on the homepage. So in addition to the book, there's a website that is purposely written as a conversation. as It's a counseling conversation for people, women and men and couples who have experienced one of these sexual hurts or habits. So the entire website of HealingSexualHurt.com was written to attract people who may be searching the web for the wrong reason, mm -hmm. but it doesn't look like church and it doesn't sound like church, but it's, it's really a, an invitation for people to say, wow, God can heal me. I hurt from this. And God's the one. So it's an invitation to counseling. It's for Christian yeah. counselors and church members and church leaders. And when you said that, people website. going on the wrong website, I could almost hear people saying, you know who you are. And meanwhile, like, the person has to point to themselves, too. <laughs> you, know? right. you mentioned that, that in the church, we're so, you know, it's so easy to judge other people. And uh, how dare that pastor talk about sex? Meanwhile, they're on the Internet watching porn. 
Behind closed doors. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Now, this book is for the sexually broken. It's also, it says, practical help for pastors and preaching about sexual issues. With us has been Dr. Sam Sirio in his book, Sensitive Preaching to the Sexually Hurting. And this book is a ready-to-use resource, in case you don't know, written from a preaching perspective. And uh, Sirio examines, I'm reading from your book, how uh, preachers can prepare the congregations for sermons about sexual issues. He explains the causes and consequences of the seven most difficult sexual wounds of the day and provides scriptural texts and appropriate wording for sermons. We learned a lot. We can go on forever, you know. Maybe we'll have you back for that. Uh, well, I'd like to have you back for that next book. We appreciate and you know, appreciate you being on the program. I am so thankful, and so, and also just a kudos to you. You, you go after good topics and relevant, contemporary, and conservative, and you are a blessing by the type of podcast that you have. So I, I know your stuff, and it's good stuff. God bless you. And so you know the twenty dollars I owe you for that. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You know you're a nice man, and God bless you. I'd like to talk with you again. And uh, again, the book, because I think a lot of people ought to go out and buy it. Sensitive preaching to the sexually hurting. Thanks for being on.